With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome to Seek Reality with your host, Roberta Grimes. Author and attorney Roberta Grimes will explore and illustrate how she, after an extraordinary experience of light in childhood, has discovered channels of communication to the afterlife and how these implications have an effect on our everyday lives. Please welcome the host of Seek Reality, Roberta Grimes. Oh, I'm so glad you're with us today. Of course, this is Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes, and I'm just delighted to be talking with you. Now, the best publisher of good and accurate books about death in the afterlife, and especially some of the trove of books that are a century or more old but are still eagerly studied by researchers, is a British house called White Crow Books. The founder and publisher at White Crow is John Beecher, and he is a lovely man. I've come to know him because I've interviewed many of White Crow's authors, and John himself has a wonderful story. So I have been trying for a year to get John Beecher to join us on Seek Reality because I wanted you to be part of the White Crow family, but he's always turned me down. And he's one of only two people over almost five years who have ever turned me down, so that was frustrating. But then John, <laughs> he's laughing. Then John decided to write a book. He wrote it under a pseudonym, J.R. Archer, and he wrote it as a novel from the perspective of our canine companions. It's called A Dog's View of Love, Life, and Death. And what it really is, is a simply stated view of reality told in a way that is really, really enjoyable. John's put some of the greatest truths, the truths that we discuss here on Seek Reality, into the minds of our canine companions. I found his book amusing, quirky, quirky, and also really delightful because he turns out to be a good novelist. And I'm going to enjoy sharing with you how he came to do this because I understand how that happens very well. Frankly, if this is what it takes for John Beecher to finally speak to us himself on Seek Reality, the use of a pseudonym, and the viewpoint of dogs and not people, then I'm just delighted. I love it. He's done what to a fellow author looks to be, frankly, really risky, but it all works. And you're going to love this book. Today, we're finally going to have a conversation I've been begging for for a year. We're going to learn about John Beecher himself and about White Crow Books. And we'll talk about some of my favorite authors, introduce you to his great little read. And welcome, John. I am so glad you're finally here. Well, it's very kind of you to invite me, Roberta. And I know, and I know you asked me before, but normally I'm trying to get authors onto your show. I'm not trying to get on. <laughs> and I'm a little shy, really. You know, I don't. I, I like to keep stay out of the limelight. You know, so. <laughs> I, I well, obviously, if you used a pseudonym, please tell us a little about your history first, so people will know who we're talking with. This obviously, it's obvious to everyone that you are, of course, British. You have a charming accent, but tell okay. us. How did you, this is a voyage you've been on. Tell us, please, uh, just briefly, how you got where you are now. How, how did I come to be publishing these books, you mean? Yes. What, what, what's your life story? Oh, just... my God. Well, how about I give you a little bit? How about I give you this last bit of my story, which is... That's, that's which, fine, dear. <laughs> for about 30 years, I suppose, most of my adult life, or 28 years, I mean, I was in the music business. And I co-founded a couple of record companies in, in England. And, uh, and I was very much in that kind of game. And, uh, I, I had, and then one night in 2000, I think it was, I'd been out to a party with a bunch of people. It was a christening dinner with some friends of mine, an American friend of mine. They'd had a baby. We were going for the christening dinner. We all got drunk, all that kind of stuff. But it was, <laughs> we didn't get any more drunker than usual. I mean, it wasn't anything, you know, it wasn't anything outstanding. And, uh, and I went to bed at 2 a.m. 
when we and uh, and the next thing I know, I'm, uh, my wife is standing over me, telling me I'm in trouble. And I didn't really feel like I was in trouble, but then I realised. <laughs> And I realised she was standing over me, so therefore I wasn't in bed. And uh, turns out that she'd heard a bang in the night or something, and then found me the other side of the room, and I'd fallen oh. on my face. And uh, I, I, you know, I have no memory of any of this, by the way. So I and, and I, I smashed my you know, my front teeth, oh god, and my lip was severed, and my jaw was broken on both sides. Oh my goodness! I was really messed up. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think much of it. I, had, I went to the hospital and they fixed me up. I had to have six weeks off work. And, uh, but after, the, uh, but after, the, after this sort of uh, accident, like head trauma or whatever you want to call it, I, I, noticed that I, I noticed that I felt very different. I mean, I immediately noticed that I felt very different. But I, didn't, I, but I couldn't work out what it was. And it took me a few years to work out what it was. And, uh, and it was very inconvenient to start with because... Well, you know, I, prior to that, prior to this head trauma, let's call it, if you want to call it that, I was uh, I was a very happy-go-lucky atheist in the music. <laughs> I had no interest in spiritual. I didn't know anything about any of this stuff. I had honestly, I had no. It's never really occurred to me. It didn't cross my mind. I grew up in a family with my with my stepfather, who was an atheist. My mother didn't really care about either, either or, you know, that kind of thing. So there was no. There was, there was nothing like that. And here I was, anyway, I'd had this bang on the head. And suddenly I felt very different. So to give you an example, one of the first things that happened to me was I used to shoot game. I had a shotgun. We used to go and shoot game in the winter and all this sort of thing. And when this accident happened, in, it was in October, I think, my pal called me up because we had all these shooting trips for two weeks, two months after, after my jaw had all healed up and everything. And he said, you know, are you ready for the shooting? And I said, no, I'm not ready. I, I'm not going to shoot anymore. And he said, why not? I said, oh, I can't kill an animal. He said, well, you, why not? You oh, can... my. <laughs> but I, but it, and, and, and I said, I don't know why not. I just can't do that anymore. And I don't know why. So that was my first kind of indication, really, that something had happened to me. And, uh, and I think, uh, and, then, and then it took me a few years, really. And over there, I, really, I had, I, I, well, I, I think I suppose to cut a long story short, I didn't feel I was near death. But when you read about all these people who have near-death experiences or spiritually transformative experiences and you hear about all and you read about all the after effects that they commonly have i.e they they suddenly have no fear of death they lose all interest in material things they stop eating meat they think they found god they think this isn't home all those kind of things i, I could tick all those boxes really um, See, John, that is very interesting because I have long noticed that it is possible for people to have spiritually transformative experiences that they do not consciously remember. And that's clearly what happened to you. What a great story. Well, well funny enough, 17, this happened 17 years ago. And I, and I thought I'd, by now, you know, it's a long story, but I thought I knew a bit, of, a bit about this kind of, let's call it a near-death experience, but who knows whether the people are near-death. I think it's a bit of a catch-all phrase. But funny enough, a couple of weeks ago, I went to a conference in London called Beyond the Brain, and there was like an American lady there who's a... I can't remember her name. Her name is... What was her name? She's a, a colonel, a retired colonel in the U.S. Army, in the, in the military. And oh, Diane, her name's Diane. Anyway, I can't remember her But she, she works with veterans who've had near-death experiences trying to separate them out from PTSD and all these other things. And she said something really interesting. It was a, a lecture, and she said, there's many people who have veterans, she's talking about, who have near-death experiences. And we found that a lot of the ones that have head trauma don't have no memory of anything. Yes. So the after effects. Yes. So, you know, so, so yeah. that's for me, because I'd never read that before. I'd never heard that before. But it kind of, but that sort of, but that sort of, uh, you know, that's how I felt. So I kind of, so it was very, anyway, it was very inconvenient because all of a sudden I was being in this, had this career in the music business, had a great time, married a couple of times, you know, kids, sex and drugs and rock and roll, all that sort of stuff that goes with that business. And all right. of a sudden it all felt very trivial and unimportant. I love it. <laughs> this is great. And that was difficult. So, uh, so but please tell people where the title White Crow came from. Oh, well, okay. Well, well, well after I, I had some odd experiences, I had some precognition, I had lots of psychic things over the next few years that happened. So I started reading about all this stuff. I started getting interested. And this is probably 10 years ago now. And, uh, and I was reading about William James. And William James had this phrase, didn't he, which I'll, I'll paraphrase, where he was talking about the idea that if someone 
if someone, if a medium or something could do something, you know, if, if one person can do it, then it had to be true. In yes. Fact, this phrase, my modern version of it is, in order to prove, disprove the law that all crows are black, it's enough to find one white crow. That's what he that's, said. Right. That's right. And that's, that's kind of where I, that's kind of, and I, and I woke up one morning with white crow books in my head and off I went, really. That's how yes. Your story is amazing because you have exactly this, the experience, the set of experiences that I would expect from someone who had been genuinely been called to do this work. And in fact, I've just got to tell you, you've basically created an entire flock of white crows filling the sky. Your books, <laughs> your books are wonderful, but in every one of them if, by itself is a white crow. Well, that's right, yeah. But, but I mean, did they have to smash my face into, you know? <laughs> well, so, yeah, they, I mean, they had to get your attention, dear. But that's sometimes the kind of thing they have to do to get our attention. Uh, sometimes the worst thing that ha things that happen in our lives are meant to turn us toward our true mission. And everyone needs to understand it could happen to you as well. Uh, there is nothing bad that happens. It's all meant for good, for our spiritual growth. And what a beautiful story. So well, how did you get started? At, so you basically you woke up and your your guides during the night had said, hey, start White Crow Books, and you went ahead and did it? Well, no, no it wasn't quite like that. What happened was it took, it, it took a few years, because for a few years, I was, as I say, I was still in the music business. I was running a record label in, in London, a small record label, and I was, you know, doing my, but, it became, but I couldn't do it after a while anymore, because it just didn't, it, I had no interest in it. I had no interest in making any money, which is my main motivation those years ago. I mean, that. And, and uh, so it was, all, it was. It was a very difficult time. So eventually, I just sort of left the company I started. I got divorced. I, I, I sort of left, and then I was sort of sitting around thinking. I was sitting around thinking, uh, but I'm just reading all these books. I'm reading all of these old spiritualist literature and all this sort of stuff, and kind of feeling very, feeling very, uh, and it was kind of validating how I was feeling. And then, uh, and then one day I had a. Uh, one day I had a, uh, my, my sister called me and she said she met some friends of hers she hadn't seen for a long time and she'd been seeing him recently. And she said to me that you've got to, uh, she wanted me to call a friend of hers because she'd had an odd experience that, you know, that uh, she wanted to explain to me. And I didn't really know what she was talking about. So anyway, I called this woman who I'd never met and uh, because my sister pretty much forced me into it. And the woman answered, the man answered the phone, he put his wife on the phone, they're in their 30s, and she told me that she'd had this experience where her grandfather had died. And I said, okay, well, and she wanted to talk to me. And I, I couldn't work out why she wanted to talk to me. This is about, I suppose, about two years after I'd had this sort of head trauma. So I was sort of, and uh, so what happened was, then she told me she, she'd been feeling depressed because her grandfather died, so someone said she should go and see someone. So I, so I said, see someone, you mean like a psychiatrist? So I didn't know anything about this stuff. So she said, she said no, I'm in a medium. And I think, and I thought to myself, my God, why? I didn't even know about mediums. I thought, why am I talking to this person? I don't know. Anyway, so she then told me that she had a, uh, that she'd been to see this medium. She thought her grandfather came through. And halfway through the call, there was a message from a guy called Brian. This is the medium said this, for John. Now, her husband... Ah! Her husband was called John, but she didn't know who anybody called Brian. So, so the medium told her to take the information, take it home. So she went home. She started explaining to her husband Johnny about all this information, and he and basically, I, I have to digress aggressively, but I have to go back two days before this happened. I'd been writing a journal. I started writing a journal. I had this accident, and on this particular night, I was writing about a friend of mine called Brian who died in my house. In 
Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome, welcome back to Seek Reality. This is Roberta Grimes, and the computer decided to start the music a little early so we would have to wait for John's punchline. So now we're going to get that. Tell us about Brian, who came to you in somebody else's experience with a medium. Tell us how that all turned out. Yeah, so just to repeat what I was saying. So I was right two days before I'd had this conversation with this woman that my sister, who asked me to call, I've been writing this journal. I've been writing it for a little while. Since I'd had this accident, I'd started writing a journal. And I was writing about <clears throat> Brian, who died in my house in 1988. And he'd been out drinking. He was staying at my house because he broke up with his girlfriend. He banged his head. And he died on my living room floor of a, of a uh, brain hemorrhage, basically. Oh, my. So I was writing this journal. This is in, we're now in 2002, two years after I've had a head, head trauma. And I'm sort of just writing about how maybe if I'd have taken him to hospital, he'd still be here. I wasn't feeling sort of guilty or anything, but it was just it was just an observation, and you know that that that, that kind of thing. Anyway, two days two days after I'm writing, whilst I was writing about him, I went into the kitchen of my house, in my house, which I just renovated to make some toast. I plugged in the toaster, and all the lights, all the all the kitchen electrics all fused. So anyway, more <laughs> toast. And carried on and carried on writing. So two days later, I haven't given you a good delivery. Really. Two days later, I'm having this conversation with this woman who's been to see a medium, and this Brian has come through and given a message to John. And so her husband tells her about this guy Brian, who was a friend of my sister's, and uh, who died in my house. So of course now she has to talk to me. So so now I'm listening, and, and she said, "Well, she said uh, Brian wants to give you a message." That's okay. Very much. I didn't believe in any of this kind of stuff. So it was an interesting phone call for me. And uh, she said, he, he said, he wants you to know that it was his time. And, that, and, you, and you've been thinking about him the last few days, which is true. I've been, you know, he died a long time ago. And I've been th- writing about him two days before. So, and she said, he wants you to know it's his time and that you couldn't have done anything about it, which throws up a bit of, even now, philosophical you know, connotations about time and when we go and all this bit. <laughs> She described what he, he looked like. He was a tall, blonde man, which is unusual for English people. And she, bear in mind, she's never met Brian. You know, it's like a proxy reading. She talked about what he did for a living, that he was a jeweler, and all this other stuff. We had this kind of wow. hour. And then at the end of it, she said, and, and she said, oh, and the medium said we had a kitchen, a problem with our kitchen electrics. So, <laughs> so we called the electrician around. There's nothing wrong with ours. And I said, well, when did you see the medium? And she said, oh, Saturday or whatever it was. And I said, well, mine blew up. Two days ago, two days oh, off. So that was kind of that was my first experience, if you like, with an intellectual experience with a an a medium, if you see what I mean. And 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 that got me started really. And then after that, I, I read a lot of books. I went and started going visiting me. And I was a bit of a fan of James Randi. I read all his books or some of his articles, and I couldn't, but I could, but none of it could, none of them could explain how this person know about what I've been writing about a couple of days. Yes. Ago. So just those yeah. things. So at that point in time, I went investigating, and, and, and I went off and sat with 
on loads of mediums. I went up, I, I, I went to America, I made a documentary with Gary Schwartz. I went to the remote viewing conferences and met Ingo Swan and all these guys. I, I was on a mission by now. And, uh, and, eventually, and, and, and eventually, a few years later, I, uh, I, I woke up one day and decided to, uh, this you know, white throw books in my head, and I thought, I quite like these old books, but I think I could do better. So I started, so I started to publish them. I wasn't really so much interested in, in publishing per se. I'd never, been, I'd never been a publisher before. I was in the music business. But, I, had a, but I, had, I was very interested in the subject. I was very interested in thinking, I was thinking like most people, how, how, why don't more people know about this kind of thing? And, uh, and I also had to make a living, not that it was, a, not that, you know, because I wasn't in the music business anymore. Yeah. So that's, that's how it started, really, and that was about seven or, seven or eight years ago, I guess. Well, you're, some of my very favorite friends and, and people I really admire in this work, um, notably the, the Zamets and also Michael Tim, are published by you. Did they find you or did you find them? Well, I think, I think well, it was a bit of a mixture, really. What happened... Well, originally what happened was I was reading a lot of these old, really old books, you know, and thinking I could you know, do better than this, you know, with technology now and e-books and digital print on demand and things like that. So I was just picking books I liked and putting them out. But, I, but of course, I knew, I mean, I, I, I knew the Zanets. I met the Zanets before and, uh, and, and lots of these other people. So I started, I, I, I'd go and approach people whose books were out of print, maybe, because there's some great stuff out there that's out of print. And yes. then, Pretty soon, people started approaching me. So, in the case of the Zanets, they approached most of them approached me. But, but, <laughs> I, but I've got to know them over the years. A lot of these people, I met them. I met them when they were in the UK. We went to we all went to a physical séance together, <laughs> and uh, and uh, so yeah, so yeah, that, that, that's how. That that's great. I mean, uh, yeah, they're very interested in physical mediumship, and frankly, uh, where most of the people listening may not even have heard of physical physical mediumship, it's about to be big within the next few years. Uh, things are happening, and it's all very exciting. But what what do you think? You've done all this research yourself. What do you think is the best evidence that our minds are eternal and we survive our deaths? Well, I mean, I mean, if, if if you look at the authors that I have, I've got people like Annabella Cardozo, who's been who's been working for years on EVP, you know, where people communicate through computers and stereos and right. devices. So that works for her, and, and and you know, if you, that, that works for her, then you've got other people who have, who have mediumship, and they and they think that works. Other people by precognition, but for me, I think, I mean, I had I was very fortunate. I think that after I had this Brian experience, let's say. I went to see. Uh, I, I, I had. Some, I went to see some. Sat with mental, some mental mediums at the time. Now, bear in mind, I was feeling very different. Here I am. I, you know, I've gone from being this sort of atheist kind of person to this. I'm now feeling, feeling like I've been plugged in to, you know, I don't know God. I didn't have any fear of death anymore. In fact, I didn't even think. In fact, I, I, I thought very differently about. Just you know, and I was now starting to find out why I was reading books and understanding why that this head trauma had something done something to me, but. I had some really good experiences from mental mediums. And when you get information, when you get information that there's no way those people could know, or there's no way yes. that, that even I don't know, that even I don't know. Someone asked me recently, they said, why did, when you wrote this novel, why did you write it under the name J.R. Archer? I said, well, that's the name of my birth certificate. And I said, what happened was my parents split up when I was two years old, and I live with my stepfather, his name's Beecher, and you know, he's my father, has been for 50 odd years. And I said so, and I said my, and my, but my biological father and my grandparents on that side, I didn't know anything about them. I, I met my father when I was 27 years old, and then I met I met him four times, and one of the two of those was just before he died. So I said, so I said, but what happened was they've never really, and, and that side of that family never really helped me when I was alive, but they've helped me enormously since they died. <laughs> it all evens out, doesn't it? That's a great, <laughs> so, that's so, a great so, story. And I said, well, to give you an example, I said. I was having a Skype conversation a couple of years ago with a with a with a medium in Belgium. I wasn't paying her. She 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 just knew me. Well, you know, people find you, don't they? Look you and all this sort of thing. And she said to me, "We're having a conversation." She said, "I've got your father's father here." I said, "I don't, I don't even know my father's. So I didn't even know their names." And then a few, you know, within a few minutes, she came through with two names, a male and a female name, which I didn't know. But I then got in touch with my half brother. And I said, what are the names of our grandparents? Because I met him 15 years ago or something. They died many years ago. And he gave me the two names, you know. So, wow. And did get... everybody hear that? He didn't know who these people were. 
a medium gave him the names and then he checked and the names were real. I think you're right. That is a powerful so bit of that, evidence. Those people are still alive. Yeah, I've, well, I've had many of those, but you know, for, but that's a good reason. So I thought, so I thought to myself, well, I'll, I'll pay homage to them. So I wrote it in my in my biological father's name, if you like. But I, but I've been very fortunate. I think I had lots of those kind of experiences. Maybe I've been a good sitter. Maybe I've been lucky to be with good mediums. I don't really know. But I think if you have those kind of experiences, it's, it's hard to argue with them because you know. It's, so uh, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? Well, from uh, I, I think that yours is a wonderful classic story of what happens when you have a life plan that you're not living. Your guides, when the time is right, will get your attention. This is true of everybody listening. They're right, they're they're going to get your attention one way or another. And every night when we're meeting with our guides, they're giving us more information about what we should be doing today. And then people wake up and oh, they have this idea. That's that's what happens. Everything you've said so far is a classic story of someone who had been decided he would do this long before his birth. It's part of your life plan and you're living it beautifully. You're doing exactly <laughs> I'm sure you're making your your higher self very very happy because you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. My my own belief is in terms of what's the best evidence is all the evidence. I'm very skeptical. I started this extremely skeptical. I didn't believe anybody. That's why I only would read stuff that had been first published before 1950 at the latest. But the more you read of it, the more you realize it's all the same. I mean, if, if, if every story were a little different, in one, people came to Earth, you know, on, on uh, who knows, uh, spaceships, and another, uh, we, we go through this weird series of things, and then we, we get to the act, whatever. If there were different stories, it would be different. But especially the, the books you have published, and the, the very early books you've published, I think most of all, because they're all talking about the same thing, whether they were received in your country or in ours, and whenever they were received over what, if, what is it, what, a 50 year period, it's all the same, John. That's it's right. Not, it's not, there's no outliers even. It's not one or two that you say, well, that's probably not right. They're all the same. So, yes, what you're doing in spreading all these truths, especially the classic things that people have never even heard of, and we're going to talk about one of those next week. What you're doing is so important to the world. You're going, your work is going to be uh, recognized long after you yourself have happily joined the choir. Um, this is wonderful. I'm so glad that you've, you've stuck to it and done what you were supposed to do. Well, to so, be fair, the authors do most of the work. <laughs> well, that's... They write, but I, but I think, but, but I think, I mean, for, but I can understand. I mean, I've been, listen, I'm no one's more skeptical than I am. I mean, the, the, the one thing that amazed me when I now I'm involved in all this thing about how there are skept, skeptics that are around who spend their whole life trying to debunk all this sort of stuff. Well, I, I find that amazing because for me, I wouldn't, I, I can, if I didn't believe in something, I wouldn't spend five seconds on it. I mean, what, who, you know, some, so, uh, so I find that, so I find that quite interesting, but I, I can also understand that. I was fortunate, or whether I was fortunate or just persistent, I don't know, or whether I had to have a, a head trauma to have what was happening. Yes. The experience that I've had, you know, I've had precognitions and I've had lots of synchronicities and I've sat, sat with not loads of meetings, but had fantastic experience like the one I've just given from an evidential point of view. But I think if you haven't had that, it's hard to, I mean, I've, I've still got the same old friends that I had in the, in the music business and they probably thought I'd gone a bit nuts really or found God or something like yes. that. Yes, right. And, but but now they come to me and they ask me questions about it because I don't sort of volunteer. I'm not shy about it, but I don't volunteer things and they ask me and they and I and I say, well, this is what happened to me, and then, and 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 of course there are continued experiences continue to happen and if they and and, uh, and I think it's just and the more and the more and I think the more people know that you are, if you like, not judging them for anything or anything like that, the more open they are. And people I, I get people all the time coming to me telling me they've had this experience or that experience, and. and uh, but I can understand if you have never had the experience or you haven't gone and looked it out, it would. Why would you? Why would you bother with it? I, I get that as well, sort of thing. But for me, I mean, for me, there's definitely my. There was my life before I had this bang on the head, and there's the life afterwards. And I thought the life before was pretty good, but this is far more interesting. Isn't it better? It's better yeah. to have nothing except a relationship with spirit. The Bible says all things work for good with for those who love the Lord. I would say 
all things work for good when you allow yourself to be taken over by spirit. And and your life, John, is a, is a true example of that. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to finally talk about this wonderful book that John apparently didn't write, but he certainly did channel it well. Well, Network broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN TV. For more information on the X Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone broadcast network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back to Seek Reality. Our guest today is John Beecher, the publisher of White Crow Books, which is the finest publishing house in this field. It's the one which publishes all the old stuff, which otherwise would be lost and which is so precious in terms of evidence. And it's the one that publishes cutting edge stuff too, including this quirky novel. When I first opened this novel, I was amazed because I'm a novelist, have been all my life. And the first thing I thought, John, was... This guy knows how to write fiction, which is which is why when I asked you how long you've been doing it, tell us how you you got a dog's view of love, life, and death. Well, I'm not, I'll tell you what I can tell you. I'll tell you exactly what happened. About uh, what year? 2016, beginning of last year. My uh, just for, in the last three years, both my parents have had strokes. They're still alive, just about. Um, and, I, and I had an agreement with them years ago that if anything happened to them, I'd take their dogs. I never thought I'd have to take their dogs, but here I am. So beginning of 2016, I got these little, two little mutts, uh, Rosie and Rags, which was some Jack Russell Cross dogs. So at the beginning of 2016, I only had them about a month, and I'd walk them on the beach near where I live every morning. And one day I was walking on the, I was walking on the beach and waiting there while they do their thing, you know. And suddenly this... This thought came to my mind. It was a, it was a sort of idea for a story, and and the idea was the idea of the story was that dogs know more than we think they know. It was a fantasy. It was not something I think. It was a fantasy. Dogs know more than we think, and they act as like sort of, you know, guardian angels for want of a better word. And they sort of cruise round and and uh, help us move toward unconditional love. And then this scene came into my head of a guy jumping off a roof to his death. A guy from. Uh. And there was a guy called Robbie. He was a good friend of a good friend of mine. And he did, unfortunately, jump off the roof to his death. So I had this, so this story came into my mind. And uh, I had never thought about it before. I'd never, it's never, I'd never contemplated writing a novel ever, not, not even for a second. I can honestly say that. So I went home and wrote, just wrote down a couple of thousand words. And then, and then I thought that was interesting. And so the following day, I went back to the beach again. And another scene came into my head, and I wrote a couple of thousand words. I basically every day for 12, 11 weeks, and, and that, was, that was the start of it, really. I had, I had 75,000 words. Wow. 
And then obviously I took a long time because I realised it was probably awful what I had, and I found an editor and this and that. But that's how it, that's how it happened. It wasn't really, it wasn't. I didn't plan to write a novel, and I, I can't honestly say it was inspired or anything like that. I don't really know, but I had, and I suppose what the book, well, I suppose what the book is, the book is an, a way of expressing ideas, the sort of ideas that you talk about on your show and that we talk that we're talking about. But I'm, and I, but I'm using a contemporary setting and using the dogs as being these beings that they know more than, than we do, and they do it. So that, that's how. All right, let, let, let's talk about this um, uh, just in a larger, because I want to put that in a context. What, okay. what John did, whether he knew it or not, as he came out of that head injury, he actually gave his life to spirit. Or spirit took it. I suppose that's possible. But, but, but for me, you've sort of, at some level, he consented. And so spirit is now using him. What he did was to channel this book. Nobody who didn't have others helping him could have written something that is so technically well done. Um, each of us who is working in this field, and I, I think I was always supposed to write fiction, but um, I can't write fiction without the help of my guides. My primary fiction guide is named Marvina, and according to Suzanne Wilson, she looks like a young Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That's how I always imagine her. But they write this stuff. I just open my mind and let them write it through me. But I've tried to write fiction myself. I cannot write a word. And John, the same thing is happening to you. When you're sleeping, when your body sleeps, your mind is visiting with your guides. And so they said to you at some point, okay, hey, you're going to write a novel. You said, yes, sir, happy to do whatever. And they started to give it to you. And this whole thing was channeled from spirit. I think that's an absolutely beautiful thing. And no wonder it's such a good, entertaining novel. These people know how to do it. Well, it was great. It was, I, mean, I, I, I don't know. It was, it was great fun to write. I really enjoyed the process. As I say, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it before. I hadn't experienced it before. I'm not a natural writer or anything like that. So I... But I, but, but I did enjoy it. It was, it was great fun, and, I, and I'm pleased with it. I'm pleased with it. And, uh, and yeah, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. People, people who are thinking, wow, I want to do that, this is not something you can do, but you can open yourself. For me, all of this started when I gave my life to God. I figured it was God's turn. I'd had such a good life. And uh, then I started writing books unbelievably well. And those books were, of course, all channeled. But this is wonderful. So, all right, it, it, you, you read this. Did you edit it much after you saw that you had written 75,000 words? Well, no, I'll tell you what happened was I, written, I, 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 went, I literally went every day and I wrote a bit. I went to the beach, came up with a store, a, a scene, if you like, went home and wrote it down. And then I sent it to an editor, and I found an editor who was who uh, a girl called Talia Newland in Australia, who was who who'd written about metaphysical fiction. That's why I sent it to her, and she came back to me and said, "Well, because I thought she might have something to say about the content." Well, actually, she didn't say anything about the content, but she just showed me how to restructure the book, you know, how to have you know more more prose, less dialogue, you know, that kind of thing. So I did change. So I did change. I did follow her lead and change things around in terms of. The structure of the story and all the rest of it, but I didn't. But the content, but the, she didn't question the, the metaphysical content, if you if you like, which was just coming out of my head, really. And, uh, and that what, was what, what, what this is is a book for people who don't want to sit down and read a nonfiction book about this topic, but want to learn about it in a very enjoyable, very fast-paced way. I mean, there are so many. They're quirky, but they're real characters. You really care about the characters, which is one way I, I'm, I'm sure that this is written by people who know what they're doing. You care about the characters, and it keeps whipsawing you in various directions, but it always makes sense when it does that. That's That takes skill, John. I mean, it's a very, very interesting and fast-paced novel. I mean, it's hard to put down once you start reading it. Um, and, and, and it teaches you about... What we're all we're talking, as you say, it, it's very full of this these facts, but it not in a preachy way, just in a, all right, here's more information that's important in this person's life right now kind of way, and that's what fiction should do. It should be entertaining. It should never bore, and it should give you information that you never would have gotten before in a way that makes it really stick in your mind. That's what your your fiction your novel does. That I just think you did a great job. Well, that's very that's very kind of you i mean i mean from my perspective you know uh, it, it's uh it, if people say to me oh it'll be really nice if people like dogs it's not really about if people like dogs most most people that have read it so far who like it they like it because it's about 
life after death. It's about me. So it's about all the subjects that you're that you discuss in your program, but right. put, in, put, put into contents. And and so and it's true. A lot of people. I mean, I, I, a lot of people I know wouldn't read, wouldn't dream of reading a, a, a book that I've published, a, a non-fiction book. But they might read a fictional work. You know, one of my pals came back to me and he read it and he said to me, "Do you believe all this stuff?" <laughs> I said, which bit about dying or what? <laughs> so, uh, so uh, yeah, so that yeah, that's what it's more about. That, that's what it's more about. And if it can, if it can, if it can contribute in some small way, then that's nice. That's nice. I mean, when I was writing, I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking it would be a book. I just was writing stuff, and then I got to the end, and, and I thought, what? Well, I better, I better, I better turn it into a book. Yes. I mean, honestly, I say I didn't plan to write it. I'm not joking. I didn't. Not for a second did I plan to write it. I didn't. It was a surprise. No one was more surprised than I was. <laughs> well, that's that's been my experience too. Um, I'll read. I'll go back and read things I've written and say, "Wow, that's good." I wonder where that came from. And yeah. things will things are early in a in a book of, of channeled fiction. Things will come up early, and then you won't realize whether why they're important until later. And this book, you know, doubles back on itself. The characters are all growing and learning, and I think that's that's the main thing that we want people to take from this book. Um, Wherever you are in your life, there are truths which, when you know them, will enrich your life in ways that you really cannot even imagine until until you actually allow yourself to be used by spirit, or to be open to spirit, and the much greater reality that all of us um, are living in, but where most of us are oblivious to until this might be the opener for your life. This a dog's view of love, life, and death is exactly what it is, but it's really the eternal view of love, life, and death. It's just that it can be easier to take these truths from a little dog who's just trying to be helpful, as we know dogs will do. A dog will do any. If you have a dog, you know this. They'll do anything for you. They just love you uncritically. And these dogs are loving people, even sometimes people they don't really know well. They're loving people and trying to help them grow. They're basically very spiritually advanced dogs. They're like spirit guides in the body of little dogs, which is sometimes a lot easier to take for us than the thought of a spirit guide that's a powerful entity. Beautifully done, John. I think it's a wonderful book. And it's blurred by some of the people I love best, too. So I'm not surprised that they enjoyed it. Um, so, so whether or not you like dogs, I mean, I, I don't own a dog and haven't for many years, but still I resonate with what these little dogs are saying. Every bit of it is true. Every bit of it is really hard won wisdom. And, and they, they tell it in such an enjoyable way that you will not be able, as I say, to put this book down because you've got to find out what's going to happen to this character that you just had, that the dog just gave some information to. And will these people get a clue? It's just an enjoyable book. Thank you. So, so, um, are you going to do another novel? Do you have any idea about that? Well, no, I, I, I think I'd like, I, I started. I've started, but it hasn't. I think the thing is, it was a big distraction when I wrote last year. I've been too busy doing other things and haven't made the time. But I've started. I have the idea for one, so I'd like to do another one. But it's, not, the main, it's not my main. <laughs> it's not my main thing at the moment. So, uh, so I will do probably. But because I, but I did enjoy. I did enjoy the process. I did enjoy the experience of it. So why not? Yes. Yeah. The thing that you need to understand, what I've learned more recently, is that a novelist who is writing the novels himself or herself doesn't enjoy the process. But I know what you mean. When I'm in the middle of writing a book that is being channeled, I just love it. It's like the it's like a thrill. It's the most fun you could possibly have it, when, when you're writing a novel that's being channeled and it's going well. Because you don't even have to be in charge. It's just, oh, I wonder why I just wrote that. I mean, I accept it with love now. I can't. I, I have another one that I've got to start writing soon, and I, it's already pushing. I know I'm going to have to do it soon. So you're going to have to uh, come back to us when you have another one written and, and talk about this process again. And I want to emphasize to anyone who is saying, wow, I want to be able to do that, you can do it. There are many more spirit guides waiting to help people who are open than, than are people who are ever willing to be open. All you need to do is give your life to God. That's all you need to do. And God will help you and use you in ways you cannot possibly imagine. And I, So, John, I know you did it. You, you gave your life to spirit which is the same as giving your life to God. Even though you don't remember doing it, it's one of those things you did it during during the night. Well, certainly since ever since that day, I, you know, I felt, I mean, I, I felt completely different. It's hard to explain how I feel. I can't even explain to, my, to myself how I feel. 
different. So, uh, but I wouldn't recommend smashing your head, smashing your face. No, no. To do it. But it is, <laughs> That's a good point. One, one thing, the, one, the one thing I noticed, I used to have a lot before, before that happened. I used to have people say, oh, you have a lot of coincidences and synchronicities. But I now know there are no coincidences. At least I don't think there are. And, uh, and synchronicities come and go. And if you follow them, all sorts of things happen. So, I mean, so I think a lot of, I think you're right when you say you just got to be open. I think being open is very, very important. I mean, and if you're open about everything and forgiving and non-judgmental and just, I mean, and I just, I personally, I just look at the world very differently now and see it was a, it was a bit of a game and we're having fun as we move through it. And we're trying to raise the vibration of the planet and in, in, in our small way. And that's all we have to do really. That's what we have to do, really. That's why everybody is here, to raise our own vibration and to raise the vibration of the planet. When we come back, we're going to talk more about White Crow books and if you're interested, how you might get them to publish you. Roberta Grimes, Secret Reality with John Beecher. We'll be right back. is under ever-increasing pressure from untenable lifestyles and growing populations. Yet, viable answers seem in short supply. What if I told you there's an ancient form that can empower you to take charge of your life? What if your entire family could be enfolded and supported by life itself, finding safe passage through challenging times? I'm Gwilda Wiecka, founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School with great news, an upcoming series of leading-edge online affordable classes based in an ancient form of shamanism easily learned and used by your entire family. Galactic Shamanism, Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow are a series of online adult and children's lessons instructing your entire family on natural law, how to cooperate with and be supported by the powers of the universe. Visit findyourpathhome.com to find these unique and powerful classes. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back to Seek Reality, Roberta Grimes and John Beecher. Now, many people, I think, who are listening might be thinking, hmm... If I wanted to write for John Beecher, how would I go about doing that? Are you accepting submissions? Well, I, I mean, I, I, I accept very few because I, there's only it's a small business, there's me and a few other people. So I do occasionally. If you go onto the website, there's a submissions page, so anybody can go on there and have a have a look there. But uh, and uh, hang on a minute, the dog wants to go out. <laughs> you got these are the very dogs that are now stars in their own right. 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 Uh, so so share, share your website so people will know where they could should go to reach you for any reason. www.whitecrowbooks.com white exactly, exactly what you would expect. One word, whitecrowbooks.com. Yeah. 
Where do you think your your publishing house is going? Have you thought about that? I mean, it's really basically happening to you. So you may not have any much sense of the future. But what do you think is is going to be the future of White Crow Books? <laughs> do you want to know the truth? I have no idea. I can't <laughs> I make up everything. I just take it as a day at a time and see how it goes. I mean, I'm enjoying it. I like to carry on with it. I like to, I mean, I like to, I like to put out books that are interesting and and uh, and you know, the, 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 of the commerciality of the book is kind of second. I mean, obviously, we we need we like to sell books. The commerciality is secondary to the the interesting books. So I like I like to do it. I like to do more to spread the word, if you like. But I don't have a. Uh, I don't have a long, ambitious plan because uh, who knows how long we're going to be here. <laughs> oh, any of us. That's right. I mean, that, that's... Like 50 years or five minutes. I don't really mind. So, I, so, so... <laughs> That's right. Those of us who truly know what's going on and have lost all fear of death are very cheerful about, well, I'll just do my part. Then when they tell me to go home, I'm going to be sure glad to do that. That's so... exactly how I feel about it. Exactly how I feel. This doesn't feel like home, but, it's like, but it feels like quite a nice place to be. Right, right, and you're doing something useful. Yeah. Are you, do you think you're going to go in a more spiritual books direction or in a more evidential books direction? I know you're interested in electronic communication. Where do you think this field is going now? Any sense? I, I mean, I, I, there. I mean, there are so many. There are so many people doing trying different things, aren't there? With you know, you've got you know Gary Schwartz with this soul phone, you've got physical, you've got physical mediumship, EVP, mental mediumship. I mean, in the end, it's all just, in the end, it's all just ways of trying to demonstrate that, uh, that consciousness is more than something within our brain and that we are part of something grander and that we're, you know, and so, so I don't, I, I don't, I don't know where it's going to go, but it seems to me, it seems to me the things that I thought were, were odd, if you like, a few years ago. Now it seems to be entering the mainstream now. I mean, you know, there's yes. a lot. Of, you know. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting, actually. I mean, physical mediumship, I thought, which uh, we, we will talk about again. We have talked about it in the past on Seek Reality, but I thought that was a, a relic of 100 years ago. Um, and now it's in circles weekly or even twice a week in development circles and there are physical mediums who are doing amazing things um, this is this is something which people um, uh, have to be patient about because it takes a while in earth terms for spirit to really get everything hooked up and everybody elevated to the point where it works but when it works it blows your mind it truly blows your mind. Well, and, well, in the UK, I don't know how it is in America, but in the UK, there are, there are physical surf, medium circles all over the country. There's people doing yes. I mean, that. They were years ago, but then and there's probably fewer people than there were 100 years ago because people have got more things to do. But they still exist. And, uh, and I've witnessed quite a few of them, you know, over the years. And uh, no, I mean, but, but, whether, but, the, but whether physical mediumship, for me, physical mediumship, although it is, it is amazing because most of it is in the dark, it's, and this, if you if you happen to be sitting in the dark and you get the evidence, then it's very evidential. But if you don't get the evidence, you're seeing phenomena and it kind of it's kind of strange. So to me personally, although I've had I've had I've had sat in one physical seance, which is in New York, funny enough, in White Plains, and had amazing evidence. Uh, I've had better evidence, if you like, personally from mental mediums. And so so I suppose it, every, it's, everyone has their own has their own uh, experience really, don't they? Yes, and, and um, your country really is, I think, ground zero for developing physical mediums. Uh, uh, people go from here to there, and they're also starting to do it in light. I keep, I'm keep i just hearing now about some who are able to do it in light. Um, just briefly, why is that an issue, many people are thinking? Because, for among other things, um, ectoplasm, which is produced by the body of, of a physical medium in deep trance, is very reactive to light, and even though it's doing all kinds of things in the room, an ectoplasm Ectoplasm is like a, like a filmy substance that's actually part of the body of the medium. And if you turn a light on in the room, it will snap back into the medium and sometimes kill the medium. So they're very careful about light. But we've all known for a while that we're going to have to have physical mediums who can do this, at least in a red light and maybe even in, in, a, in a room light that's dim. And that's starting to happen in your country. I have so much respect for those people who are working so hard because once that's 
happening. I think that's one of the things that and uh, very good electronic communication that that regular people can can have with their their dead relatives. Those are the two things that I think in the end are, are going to be what make everybody understand that this is real. What do you think? Don't you think that's true? Well, I think with physical mediumship, I mean, there are, I mean, I, I, I went to a physical mediumship event, if you like, two weeks ago, and they, and they, and they were doing things in, in, in red light. And, uh, and, but it's, but, it, but, you know, but for the average person or whatever, whoever the average person is, it's quite mind boggling, even because, because yes. you know, you come away from it and you think, did that really happen? <laughs> it's not even possible, but it does happen. Uh, is, that, is, that, is that possible? You know, yeah. was, you know, so, uh, I was at one a few a few weeks ago. I hadn't been to one for years, and, I, and uh, but I, I was invited to one, so I you know so I went I went up there. I was talking to this chap beforehand. He, he came over from Sweden, and he's uh, and he was kind of an interesting guy. And he was telling me that his wife had died the year before, and he was fine about it. And he mentioned that he had a number of uh, children, and then and then we went into this sort of seance, and, and, and during the seance they called him over, if you like. So they called him over to tell him that his wife was they were trying to bring her through. And they were trying to bring her through. And all of a sudden, you've got this sort of medium, trans, his face transfiguring, sobbing. And then, the, and then the medium mentions his wife's name and three of his children's names. And I said wow. to him, is there any way they could have known your children? You bear in mind, came from Sweden to England. I said, is there any way that they could have known your children's no, names? No, no, that's beautiful. Absolutely not, they can't. So, so, that kind of, so for him, obviously, it was hugely evidential. But maybe not for some of the others. You don't really know. So... I think, like a lot of these things, the uh, you know, if, if you if, if you happen to experience this kind of thing, it, it changes people's lives. Well, we're, we're, we're going to have to say goodbye to John Beecher, and I'm so sorry about that, but we will have you back, John. You can't refuse that's, that's now. That's great time <laughs> to have me on. After the week. And, and, and um, John Beecher, the, it's White Crow Books, which is just as it sounds, whitecrowbooks.com, if you'd like to contact him or buy the books. He has the best publishing house for the most evidential books. He has published all the white crows that are now filling the sky. So big hug, John. We'll talk again big soon. Big hug back to you, Roberta. Lovely to talk to you. This has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. I'm so glad you could join us today. Please never forget that you, you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began. You never will end. And when you really get what that means, your whole life will transform for the better. Next week, our guest will be White Crow's wonderful author and my personal hero, the greatest living afterlife expert, Michael Tim. More than anyone else in this field, with the possible exception, I think, of Wendy Zamet. She's really a powerhouse. Mike is a deliberate traditional scholar, and he applies to the study of the afterlife the kind of deliberate and careful rigor that very few of us can master. I certainly can't. I don't have the patience. His specialty is the golden age of afterlife communication that ended before 1940, and every one of Michael Tim's books is wonderful. He's published a whole series with John through White Crow Books. Next week, our focus will be on what, a book which, frankly, no one had ever heard of. It's called The Survival of the Soul and Its Evolution After Death by Pierre-Emile Cunillier, and it was first published in 1921, which is the sort of the very end of the heyday of deep trans mediumship. And believe it or not, this book is 377 pages of transcriptions of seances. It's absolutely wonderful. Um, now it's my favorite old book too. Um, but Michael Tim says he'd never seen anything like it. And again, this is something which really only was rediscovered by him. And it's just been put out this year by John at White Crow Books. So please stay with us next week. We're going to blow your mind with this. This week, we've been talking with John Beecher, and his little publishing house, White Crow Books, is doing extraordinary work in this field. And uh, frankly, the field is about to burst into the big time, so I think he, he may not know it yet, but his publisher is going to do that, too. Its authors are some of my biggest heroes. Of course, top among them are Victor and Wendy Zamet, and their book, A Lawyer Presents the Evidence for the Afterlife. Go to victorzamet.com if you've not already done so. victorzamet.com. Sign up for their newsletter. It comes every week, and you would not. It's full of all this information, and I learn so much from it every week. It's the best news you will read ever. Of course, 
as you know, I have books too, and my nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, my Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, The Fun of Living Together, which is getting a lot of interest now, and for young children, The Fun of Meeting Jesus. You can get them on Amazon, order them through bookstores, and they're available as audiobooks and in many languages worldwide. If you ever want to talk to me about anything at all, just go to robertagrimes.com and use the, radio, the, the link, the comment link. I always answer emails. Meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy and make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you, you are a powerful, eternal being, and you in particular, you in particular are infinitely loved. Thank you.